Inside Track on Real Estate with Ken and Yetta Decker of the Decker Team. Get the Inside Track, everything you need to know about buying and selling in the greater Ottawa area. The Inside Track on Real Estate with the Decker Team. How to handle buyer's remorse. Yeah. Hmm. hmm. That is something people don't want to talk about. Something people don't want to recognize is true. So why are we talking about it? Because we're bold and brave and... On the cutting edge. On the cutting edge. Bold on the and brave. inside track. Right. So we're willing to have the hard conversation. Because here's what I've learned about buyer's remorse and so many other things in the real estate market. Is that they're already the thoughts are already going on in your head. And so we might as well put them out in the room. Okay, so the thought in people's head right now, in your head, might be, what the heck is buyer's remorse? Correct. So on the inside track on Real Estate with the Decker team, and I'm yet a Decker. And I'm Ken Decker. We're going to talk about that. We're going to define it, and then we're going to talk about what it is. So very simply, and, and then how to navigate it. I guess we should get that Could it part. be a good thing or a bad thing? It could be either. It Interesting. Could, because it's, a, it's that gut check. Right. It could be that it could be that gut check, but it's that if you ever purchased, whether it's a car, whether it's a house, whether it's a diamond ring, whether it's now that one is a big gut check. Right. Isn't you it? buy a big diamond ring for your lady. Mm-hmm. Mm, there's some sometimes buyer's remorse. Right. And so buyer's remorse is nothing more than that sense of did I make the right decision? Is that a good decision or did I just make a really bad decision? And we tend to, the rule of thumb, we're back to our rules of thumb, is that the bigger the purchase, the more probability is there will be buyer's remorse. It was interesting. I had a conversation with Ryan before we were recording today and he said, my buyers don't have buyer's remorse. And I said, I pretty much suspect whether it's verbalized or not, most people go through some sense of second guessing, which is really what buyer's remorse is, is that sense of should I have or shouldn't I have? Did I make a good decision or didn't I make a good decision? So with cars and houses and big purchases, we tend to do more of that than we do when it's a smaller purchase. Do you think that's more a female thing than a male thing? No, I don't think so because I've had lots of my male clients call and go, did I make the right decision? Is that really a good house for us? Is that really, what do you think, Yetta? Like, is that, is, did we make a good decision or should we back out? So what we want to talk about around buyer's remorse is a little bit how to just expect it. If it's going to happen, great, because now you're prepared for it. If it doesn't happen, well, even greater, because you now know about something that doesn't happen for you. And that's fantastic because you make firm decisions, you know what you want, you know what you don't want, and you move forward. Sometimes buyer's remorse happens when there's a little hiccup. This is too hard. So if it's this hard, if there's this issue at the inspection or whatever, then maybe I made a bad decision. So it's not always just the night after. Like when I sleep on it, sometimes it affirms the decision. And sometimes it causes people to go. Yeah. And one of the things that sometimes people have said to me, and and I now let them know in advance that this may happen, which helps because when you know in advance that something's going to happen, you can interpret it better. So one of the things is a sleepless night. 
And that can come from the excitement. I don't know if you've ever been a child. Well, you probably have been a child at some point, right? And, and you remember. Probably. And right. you probably do you, remember. Do you it. remember your childhood, Ken? Uh, parts of it. Okay. And you know when you're anticipating Christmas morning mm. and gifts and you're thinking, mm-hmm. oh, I can't go to sleep. It's hard to go to sleep. You wake up so early, it's ridiculous. Your parents are about to kill you because... They well, you know what I mean. That. You know what I mean. That's okay. a figure, And you think rule of, of thumb is a bad it's, figure of speech? Okay. Way better than that bad All right. one. They, they would like to lock you in your room for a couple hours and get yes. some more sleep. Yes. Does that sound get better? That one. Absolutely. Okay. And that sleeplessness is because mm. of the excitement. Mm. And so you might have dreams about the house. You may have, right. like we had a client the other day that had dreams of oh, yeah. digging the uh, hole in the backyard for the swimming pool. Right. And so I said to them, were you thinking about burying Yetta and I in it? <laughs> or were we <laughs> or, coming for a swim? Were we coming for a swim? We just needed to know which side of that dream we were on. <laughs> so... Um, Hopefully, yeah, she said we were coming for a swim. Okay, good. Happy to know that, actually. So that could happen. Now, another way to avoid buyer's remorse. Can we just stick with the sleepless night again? Absolutely. Recognize that that way your brain processes either fear or excitement is actually really similar, Mm -hmm. right? It's the same chemical reactions that's happening in your brain. So that feeling of excitement or buyer's remorse, which is kind of fear, like fear of, did I make the right decision, mm-hmm. may feel the same, except they're different. Yeah, so it's just, the same chemical reaction in right. your body. Didn't exactly. I just say that? Almost. A little different. <laughs> okay. So you sometimes it's not what you say, it's how you say it. And sometimes I say it wrong, and yet it, no, it's what I meant to say. No, you said it perfectly. Okay, excellent. So a sleepless night, just be aware that it could happen. That there could be that night and and there you're likely, there's a good probability that you're going to wonder if it was a great decision. That doesn't mean it wasn't a great decision. I mean, even taking a new job sometimes, you second guess. Was it a good decision to take that job? Same thing with a house because it's a big purchase. And it's also not only a big purchase, it is a time where you create upheaval for everyone in your life, everyone that you love and you care about and that's near and dear to you in your home, it's not a time of ease generally. It's generally a time of chaos a little bit. Mm-hmm. Packing's not fun. We're going to do a show next week on what do you do with all that stuff in your house? How do you decide what to give and throw and all those kinds of things? And that's disruptive. So it's disruptive moving. Transitioning into a new home is disruptive. And so it's normal to have some buyer's remorse. And if you're thinking, well, how do I prepare better for it? Because that's really one of the main ways that you can reduce the buyer's remorse is preparation. Yes, it's very good. And we've got a whole list of great things to help. And yet the one, the one thing, if you have a faith in God, it's to go to prayer before Mm. you make a decision to buy. And if you've got peace around it and God's God's blessing on it, you feel it's right with God, that's the biggest way not to have buyer's remorse. Right. And unity within the people that are making the buying decision. Yes. Oh, there's got to be unity. Number two. Yeah. 
if you both don't agree, like if there's husband and wife or whatever it is, or a two is families, helping a child or multi-generational. If, yeah, if there is not unity in the purchase decision or the price or the location or the house, uh, best mm -hmm. not to go ahead. Yeah. There are times we recommend don't. Ideally, I mean, we're going to lay out options. We can't really tell you what to do because it's really ultimately your decision, nor do we want to because it's your decision, not ours. And yet laying out your options and knowing what your options are really helps reduce that buyer's remorse so that you're not feeling pushed toward a particular decision. Mm -hmm. Would you agree, Mr. Decker? Absolutely. Okay. So... If you're thinking, I need some more insight, I need some more perspective, and I know you're going to share some more today on the show, and yet I know, based on all your other shows, you don't tell us everything in a show. And it's not that we don't want to. It's that 30-minute show does not give us the opportunity to share you 30 years of experience. Well, my 30 years and you're 25. So 55 years of experience. So you're more experienced. At real estate. At life, you're more experienced because you're older than I am. So, if you're thinking, I want more. I think I just got thrown under the bus. What do you think, folks? You should light up the email and say, Yetta just threw Ken under the bus. Okay. Well, from May to August isn't very many months. So, essentially, we're the same age and we both know it. And anybody that listens to the show regularly knows that we're quite okay with talking about our age because we really like the and love the fact that we get to have this life. We get to have year after year and another birthday because otherwise it means we're not here to enjoy now, life. Now, does so, the Bible not say that gray hair is a blessing? Mm. How come you don't have any? Because <laughs> I guess I'm not blessed with gray hair. <laughs> so we do have a guide. It's selling, buying, investing made simple and in the Ottawa area, if you're out of the Ottawa area, it may still be valuable to you because now with YouTube channel and with radio being CHRI, you can listen to it on a podcast. You might not be local to our market. Some of the things we talk about are very, very hyper local and only pertain to Ottawa. Many of the things are universal across Canada real estate, Canadian real mm -hmm. estate for sure, and some of it applicable in the U.S. real estate and, in fact, around the world. And so, how would they get that ebook? If well, they, they just have to, to email, and you put in the subject. You have to email somewhere, though. You email to <laughs> infodecorteam.com, and in the subject, you just say "made easy" or "made simple." Sorry, "made simple." Selling, buying, investing, made simple. If you want the whole big thing, selling, buying, and investing made simple. Otherwise, if you just say ebook e made simple we know what that is and we can send it to you mm -hmm. and there's lots of really great detail because we know that we will not give you even the book doesn't give you everything so you may even want to book a consultation because in a consultation what our clients have found is they get to answer their unique specific questions that's where the art of real estate is mm -hmm. because yeah. most of it is us listening right and then prescribing. Right, because prescription without diagnosis is malpractice in medicine and in real estate. And I definitely do not want to have a malpractice suit. So <laughs> we listen before we prescri prescribe. So we have a diagnosis and then we can give the, the options. And that's how we give the prescription is really in form of options, anywhere from two or three options, up to five or six options, depending on what specifically we're talking about. 
you remember my buyer's remorse when we bought in Osgood? Oh my goodness. Do you remember that? You should have had it. Because it wasn't a great decision. Well, I did have it. Somewhat. I know. Well, first of all, we had buyer's remorse because we bought without selling first. And we weren't financially poised to do that. No. If you're financially we, poised, it is what we do now. We, we bought buy, without a guide. Right. We bought without a guide. We bought without selling. We weren't poised to do it. Like we weren't financially savvy. We didn't have things positioned right. And now it is the way we buy because it's a lot easier to find what we want. Harder to find what we want than it is to sell what we have based on the expertise we now have. Mm -hmm. And so at our tastes are probably a lot more discriminating today than they were back 30 some odd years so. ago. I think so. But really what the, you know, we, we first of all, we lost some sleep because mm. we'd made that decision to buy, signed on the dotted line, hadn't sold our house yet. We didn't use a real estate agent and we were in a little bit of trouble. And, you know, we got looked after. God looked after us. We sold our house like few weeks before there was a large penalty for the discharge but because interest rates had gone up slightly we had a better rate and they assumed our mortgage which saved us that we had we were, we were totally blessed yeah. and then I remember moving into the house thinking we are going to be house broke how will we ever make this payment and still be able to live well right and then within You'll be the, able to have food with our meals? Yeah, food with our meals. I like that. And that's how I've mm -hmm. been able to add a little bit of poundage is by having extra food with my meals. Yeah. And some meals in between my meals. <laughs> and some popcorn here and there and you know, that ice cream, ice cream. Oh I shouldn't have said that word. Now I'm craving ice cream. Hope you're not craving ice cream. <laughs> So sometimes he makes me speechless because I think, where did that come from and what value does it add to the conversation? Well, because here's the point. I still got my ice cream. And in the first couple of years, we finished the basement, spent a lot of money finishing the basement. Mm -hmm. um, we built a two-tier cedar deck. Yeah, like um, 700 square feet or something wild. Crazy. It was a lot. And we built, uh, well, we didn't build them. We had installed cedar hedges around the side for privacy. And mm -hmm. we put a lot of money into the house in the, in the first couple of years. And we didn't miss any payments. We didn't miss any meals. Right. It was pretty miraculous. It was. What's that got to do with buyer's remorse? And, well, because we had buyer's remorse around were we going to be house broke? Mm. And yet we weren't. We did actually buy within our means. It was yeah. just such a big jump from where we had been before. And so it was triple the value of home, which was really, really scary. We had bought mm -hmm. our first home in Quebec, town home, lower price point, hadn't really gone up in the years we were there. However, that is how we started. And then we found a home that was three times the money. So it was, we knew that we had to be house broke. And yet we really weren't because we were living so below our means originally that now we are still living within our means. And ideally, we encourage people not to max their financial buying ability. And I say generally, and again, here goes the rule of thumb, because there are times where it makes more sense because you know that your income's about to go up. You know that you're um, at the beginning of your income earning potential rather than at the top of your 
earning potential. And you know that there's going to be somebody that's been home with kids that's going back to work. So the, there's going to be more finances coming into the home or that kind of thing. So you can position and look out a few years and see what does it make, does, does this make sense? Like, are we actually still within our means, even if it's tight right now to qualify for the yeah. financing? And you know what the big thing is too? A lot of banks don't take charity into consideration when they're doing your qualifications. Right. So if you have a generous spirit or you tithe to the local church, um, mm -hmm. we need to take that money into consideration because it's money that they are not taking into consideration when they qualify you for your payments on your house and other loans if you have other loans. Right. So right. we've got to be really careful that you're not even buying within your means. Ideally, we want to help you buy below your means. And yet, look at the big picture. Because if you have to move sooner, that costs you a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And that's no good either. Yeah. So how to get rid of some buyer's remorse is just being really prepared in advance. Knowing your numbers. Knowing what it means. Having actually tracked. You can go on to the wealth-formulawebsite.com, right? Yeah, or .ca. Or .ca, which is where Ken's book can be purchased. It's a wealth formula book. It's kind of our book, but, you know, anyway. His name's on the cover. It's our not our life story, but certainly our life learning that's in there up to that point. And what's great about that website is there's free tools. There's free financial tools. So you can do 90-day tracking of where your money actually goes. So you're equipped with the knowledge of how you actually are spending. Because have you ever said to yourself, I've had way, I've had loads, and maybe even you say to me that, hey, I have no money left over. Like, how can I spend $300 more a month on mortgage payment when right now I have nothing left over? I know the bank says I can have three times what I want and I don't have any money. I would encourage you just to get aware. Just become aware of where your money's actually going. The best way to get aware is for 90 days, track every penny that you comes in and every penny that goes out. Maybe we don't track pennies anymore, track nickels. Track to the nickel now, because pennies have vanished in Canada. Uh, so just become fully aware of what is happening here with your money, with the money that you've been blessed with. And then there's much less buyer's remorse, because you don't have to wonder and worry like we did, because we sure weren't following very many good financial principles back then. How about none? Okay. We were paying our bills, because we knew how to take from one credit card to the other to make sure that we can make our payments. Not proud story, just a true story. And so just knowing where it's going. So you can go on there and get some free tools and they really do help. And if you haven't read the book yet, I would maybe encourage that you do that too because I've been told every time somebody reads it that they get a lot of great insight from it that helps them just be better positioned to make better decisions when they're buying a home or even selling a home. So much mm -hmm. less buyer's remorse. What else would you say are those things you do to prepare so you can reduce buyer's remorse? Well, I think interviewing a great realtor mm. is one of the ways. Because if you've got someone that right. walked that path before, they can guide you through it. Mm. And that helps reduce the stress and the buyer's remorse. And also get your questions answered before, during, and after. Be oh. open to asking questions. 
This is probably unfamiliar turf for you, right? Or at least turf that you haven't journeyed forty, fifty, sixty times. Even somebody that's moved a lot has probably moved ten or fifteen times in their lifetime, and that's really very few. Related to the things that could come up, the things、mm-hmm. that could be in the back of your mind, the questions. And I've had so many folks say to me that they went through their first purchase, their second purchase, sometimes, and even their third, totally blind, not knowing, and therefore had a fair bit of anxiety. That was before they met us, because one of the things that we believe in is inform, 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 educate, educate, educate. And make sure that there's knowledge, knowledge, knowledge available, so you're never wondering, you're never thinking, "What if?" Because the "what if" has really been addressed, or when that "what if" pops up for a second, that you get to ask the question. Know that there's only one poor question. The unasked one. The unasked question is the only poor question. And I've had a lot of my buyers and sellers over the years say, "Well, I just asked you that one. Yeah, ask it again. Ask it until it resonates with you, until it lands in a way that you feel comfortable with the answer." Yeah, because sometimes we have so much expertise that、mm. it's not easy to say it in a way that lands well. So it's our fault of not explaining it well enough. Never feel that if you、mm. have to ask a question again because you didn't get the answer, don't feel it's you. It's us. We didn't explain it、mm-hmm. in a way that it would land for you. So we've got to come up with a different way of explaining it. Right, and that's great、mm-hmm. because then we also learn simpler ways of saying the same thing. Again, back to it's not what you say; it's how you say it. So how can? Because in real estate, one of the things that you probably learned in your job and in what you do day to day is that when you first started on the outside, it looks kind of simple looking in. And then you start doing it, and it gets really complex because you're learning all the nuances. You're learning the hard skills. You're learning the soft skills. You're learning the dance with the soft skills, and then you get to the point where it's like really, really simple again, because ninety percent or ninety-five percent of everything has just become autopilot. Somebody asked me the other day about how to navigate multiple offers, and I said, "Well, it's really easy. There's four steps," and I threw out the four steps. And then I realized later that's actually not true. There's actually fifty steps. It's just it's <laughs> so easy for me now that I've broken it down into four basic steps. And yes, all the little finite steps are. I'm even unaware of them. It's like there's so much unconscious competence in that area, and yet when you're buying a home, that's not true, or selling a home because if you haven't done it. You know, a hundred or more times, there's going to be so many questions. So, an unknown thing. So, just ask them. Please、yeah. ask them, and then get a hold of the book. Get a hold of selling, buying, and investing made easy, because that will answer some of the questions for you. Watch maybe some of the other YouTube shows on the Inside Track on real estate that pertain to the thing that you have the most questions about. So that's really gathering knowledge, because knowledge、right. is power,、right. and. When you have that power,、mm. you stay in control, and you can say yes, or you can say no, no. and it's a powerful yes or a powerful no、right. because you're in the no, and other, and that's the K N O W no.、Right. Now inspections. It's important to know that the way we do most of our offers is we put in conditions, which are designed that you can do your due diligence. 
So if you're having buyer remorse after you buy a house during the conditional period, that's really not the time to have buyer's remorse because Mm-mm. you still have an out because we write those clauses very vaguely that it's in your sole discretion. So you can get out on finance, home inspection, whatever conditions we have in there. And so once you do your inspections mm. and let's say you find some minor things or you find some major things, it's important to know that you really have three options. Right. You do? Yes. At least three. At least three. Uh, one is to buy it the way it is. Right. Just firm up. Like number one, buy it the way yeah. it is. Number two is walk away. Say, like, you know what? I'm not buying it. Run for the hills. I'm out. And three, you can ask for money off or you can ask for repairs. So the seller needs to come to the table again and do some things for you. And that's another show you'll want to go back and watch. And that is, as a seller, how do you not buy your house back? That was, I think, last week. So you might want to watch that one because that ties in with this whole concept of buyer's remorse. Because sometimes just in the way the negotiations went and how people are standing firm in the principle of this thing and not coming down another thousand dollars or whatever actually creates opportunity for buyer's remorse to be born yeah because when you feel pushed you second guess yourself more and another place i've seen buyer's remorse is investors when they buy an investment property Uh and then don't get the right tenant now that happened to us. Remember yes. when we were oh. first landlords? Oh. And we had... More uh, than one, darling. We had, I think it was three properties at the time. Yeah. And one of them, we felt sorry for the tenant. Mm-hmm. So they said it, they had a good story. And they wanted and there to do some a rent-to-own. And there were some issues. And there was some rent-to-own. And we thought, okay, we're going to help you out. And that mm-hmm. actually went bad. Oh, and yeah. we had to go to court and get a judgment we finally did get our money but it trickled in we lost a fair bit of our money too because they never did close on it and they oh. kind of destroyed it all we got was the rent money not the damage no, money we got the damage as well not all of yes it. we did all right so we're gonna have now a bicker instead of a banter we're pretty good about bantering and every so often it turns into a bicker so i'll drop it here and simply say that it has gone badly and the memories get ingrained in your brain and not always the same way when there's two different brains. So buyer's remorse around investing is just follow the principles, follow the um, best practices of getting a great tenant. And Mm -hmm. it's not that complicated. Like really, we've taken the complexity out of it and made it simple because we've gone through the complexity. You can't go from simplicity to simplicity without going through the complexity. Yeah. You can't right? go from complexity to simplicity without starting in the complex. Right. That's but from an say. outside, it looks simple before, right? So it's kind of like it looks simple. When I see somebody else do their job, I think, yeah, that looks easy enough. And <laughs> then I get in and see what they actually do. And I go, <gasps> that's complex. And then with their expertise, it can be made simple again. Is kind of where my brain was going. That's a good place for your brain to go. Uh-huh. Yeah, so we, we've heard lots of stories of tenants gone bad. And what's interesting <laughs> and is when you talk to an investor and you go, oh, I've got you know 10 doors or 10 apartments or whatever, you think, wow, that person's building wealth. And you don't hear them talk about bad tenants. No. Nope. Because typically they've learned the art of picking good tenants. And if mm-hmm. one does happen to go bad, 
it's part of the part of the business. Right. It you is. deal with it, and you know what to do. You have the rules that you follow. Things can happen fairly expediently, mm-hmm. and you move on. And life is grand again. We we have multiple tenants. Yep, and it's wonderful. So if you're thinking about buyer's remorse and you're saying, I want to know more, you're going to want to go back and listen or re-listen because we know that we can only gain about 6-7% of the information that we hear when we're listening or we're learning a new thing. And we are so grateful that we get to continue to learn alongside you and share the insights of real estate. Thanks for joining us on Inside Track on Real Estate with the Decker Team.